I want to welcome you into the Sunday Preaching Podcast of the Point Church, located in beautiful Perdido Key, Florida. I'm Tim Coleman, the senior pastor, and we believe strongly in the expositional preaching of God's Word that builds our faith and grows us up in Christ. I'm glad you're either downloading the sermon or listening live to our service, and I pray that this message is a help to you on your journey of faith. Now join me as we get to the point. John, I am not worried about my mother being here. <laughs> not at all. In fact, in the first service, I, I threatened just to forego my sermon and just tell you about your pastor. <laughs> the second service, I could add my mother into that. And my mother was always uh, very informative. She used to let us know when our meals were ready. The smoke detector went off. <laughs> uh, I love my mother. I'm telling you, she's the female version of Mr. T, and I'm telling you, I, <laughs> uh, I, I joke with her, but I do love my mother. I appreciate it. You know what? Uh, my mother gave me two gifts that I will always be thankful for more than anything she ever did. It means so much to me to know that my mother at one time went and learned sign language so that she could tell the gospel to deaf people. You probably don't know that about her. She, she doesn't use sign language now other than this kind of sign language, but that, that means a lot to me. And then many times when my dad would be on the road, on, on the rails, driving a locomotive, uh, she would get us boys up in the bed and read the Bible to us. For that, I, I will always value that, Mother, and I love you. And as far as your pastor is concerned, since he's not here, I think I'll take advantage of the opportunity to inform you. Uh, what I, I told the early service when I preached here last time, uh, that, that there's a I, I wore a size 66 suit. Now this is a 56 jacket, and hopefully it'll be a 46 the next time I come. But, well, I thank the Lord that my, my wife's helped me through that. But there's one thing that has not changed, and that is the bitterness in my heart that your pastor broke this tooth right there with my cowboy boot, and uh, that has not changed. But anyway, no, I love Tim. And I appreciate the music, every person that is served, the media team, uh, Brother John has been so gracious and just helping me fit right in and, and be comfortable today. My wife is not in the service today because she uh, is having uh, a very difficult time with pain for the last 12 weeks. She has uh, been suffering on and off, more on than off, with pain that we don't really understand all that's going on. And in fact, we have been up most of the night. In fact, we. We got to see what the emergency room at Baptist Hospital looks like because we got there at 3 o'clock this morning and stayed until about 6.15 this morning, I believe it was. And uh, so pray for my wife, Rochelle, if you would. If you're physically able to stand out of respect to the reading of God's Word, we are going to look in Acts chapter 11, Acts chapter number 11. I'm preaching this morning on this subject how to respond in times of transition. 
how to handle the transitions of life. Verse number 1 of Acts chapter 11 says, And now the apostles and brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, You went to uncircumcised men, ate with them, and ate with them. But Peter began and explained it to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners. And it came down to me, uh, looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, What God has made clean do not call common. This happened three times, and all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were sent to, uh, which were sent to me from Caesarea. And the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered uh, the man's house, and he told us how he had seen the angel stand in his house and say, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. And he will declare to you a message by which you will be saved and your household. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord and how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as He gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. And may the Holy Spirit bless the reading of His Word you may be seated. In order to get the full impact of chapter number 11, we must understand the greater picture. If you go to chapter number 1, you see that Luke, the writer of Acts, says that he is writing to his friend Theophilus to tell him about all that Jesus began to do and teach. We cannot be mistaken and think that the book of Acts is simply a book about the, the apostles. We can even be mistaken and think that the book of Acts is simply the Acts of the Holy Spirit, as many of you carry a Bible that says Acts, the Acts of the Holy Spirit under the title. It is the work of the Holy Spirit that is seen in Acts chapter 2, but it is actually the work that Jesus began, and it still continues, and it continues through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And it continues through the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the lives of all who have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Every one of us who have heard the gospel, we've heard the gospel of how Jesus Christ came and died for sinners. He lived a life that we could never live, died the death that we could never die. He rose from the grave in a way that we could never do in our own so that all of us who would repent of our sin and believe on Christ and what he did on the cross could be saved from our sin and receive the life that we could never earn. That is the very life of Jesus. Whenever you and I get saved, when a person becomes a Christian, he does not come to a creed or a confession, those, though those are great. We come to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. We do not come to a prayer we come to the person of Christ. We believe on Christ. Our faith does not rest in the words that we uttered when we came to know Christ. Our faith rests in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. That is the essence of Christianity. Faith in what Jesus Christ did for us that we could not do. And that is, he died and satisfied the righteous demands of the holy God. And only his death satisfies God's wrath. And you and I who repent and believe are given the life of Jesus. And whenever he gives us his life, he gives us his life in the person of the Holy Spirit. And the work that Jesus began, he continues to do through the Holy Spirit, through us in the church even today. Now as you look at the book of Acts... If you're a Bible student, you probably heard it said that the book of Acts is a book of transition, that you've got to be careful not to build your doctrine on the wrong place or in the wrong place in the book of Acts. For there are things in the book of Acts that took place only in the book of Acts. There are some things that are not copied, are not duplicated. And they are done right here in this time frame and will never be done again. So you got to be careful not to build all of your doctrine in the church off of the transitions in the book of Acts. But let's stop for a moment and let's face reality. The gospel is not just to save us, to get us to heaven, though that's wonderful. I'm ready to go today, aren't you? A couple of years ago, I, I sat on a Wednesday night to a, a group of choir members that were, I was doing the devotion before their choir practice, and I said, I'd love to go to heaven, and if I, if I could, I'd buy a bus ticket to go tonight. And if I could, I'd buy a bus ticket for all of you and take you with me. I'm ready to go. After it was all said and done with, a lady came up to me and said, Preacher, are you depressed? <laughs> for real? Depressed about going to heaven? I mean, depressed about being in the presence of Christ forever? Depressed. Man, let's head out today if we could. Now you say, well, aren't there some things, isn't there some things you'd like to see done before you go to heaven? Of course, every one of us who know Christ, we've got some folks we'd love to see saved. I can start mentioning some names of some people that I, I hope come to know Christ before, they, before the Lord returns. But I'm telling you right now, to be with Christ forever, what a joy. 
Do I take vitamins? Absolutely. In this process of trying to be healthier, I've walked a lot. I've exercised a lot. I've lifted a lot of weights. I've said no to Dunkin' and no to Krispy Kreme more times than I want to testify about. And yes, I still do it some. And we'll do it probably before the day is over with. But I'm telling you, I didn't lose all that weight eating vanilla stuffed donuts. I can tell you that. I try to take care of the temple that God has given me better than I used to. But I'm telling you right now, if the Lord wants to call my number up today, praise God, let's go home. Amen. I tell you what, I almost feel like I'm, I'm ready to preach now. Ready to go. Aren't you? Well, if you're not, I hope and pray the Spirit of God opens your heart and mind to see that you need Jesus. And that Jesus did for you what you cannot do for you. And if you will turn from your sin and trust in self, and you will believe on Christ, you can be saved. Now understand something. If you've not yet come to Christ, I'm going to share with you principles that are only good for the Christian. But if you do come to Christ, whatever you do, apply these principles. For you who know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, let's face reality. We're going to go through transitions. Now, you do not have to change. You do realize that, don't you? You don't have to change. I'm going to prove it. Some of you are wearing shoes you've been wearing for the last 10 years. Sir, some of you, you've got a shirt and a pair of shorts in your closet that your wife has been begging you to give to goodwill for the last 15 years, and you still have it hanging in your closet, and you still think that it's broken, and why give away something that is so comfortable? It matters not that it's faded, and it looks like you've been washing cars in it. I mean, you know what I'm talking about, right? Some of you, 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 you just... You just don't want to change. I can understand that to a point. I can. I, I'm 54, four years older than your pastor. And there's some things I just, I just don't like change too. I, I really don't. The older I get, the more I want you to leave my food alone. <laughs> don't be looking at my plate telling me how bad it is or even how good. Just leave my food alone, man. I, I'm just leave my food alone. You, you, you know... I didn't say this in the first service, so this is for you. Are you ready? I, I hate it when I see some, 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 you know, some microphone stand person talking about how good some cardboard healthy item really tastes. Do you know what I'm talking about? I'll give you an illustration. I was on this health program years ago, and they gave you these little wafers to eat as a snack. And basically, they were, they were ground up cardboard. They put chocolate flavoring on it. And I was so hungry in that first week, I could have ate the tires off of my truck. I'm telling you, my soul. And they gave us this CD to listen to, and there was some woman on there, and you could tell she didn't weigh 110 pounds soaking wet. She said, oh, these are so tasty and so wonderful. I wanted to take the dashboard in my truck and just rip it out so I could get rid of the CD, right? Don't mess with my food. Don't mess with my hair. Don't mess with my hair. I got, had ladies in, my, in my last church I pastor where I'm at now. They want to tell me how to wear my hair. When I pastored in Virginia, I went to a barber shop, usually run in 20 minutes, out, gone, happy, good time, you know, stuff like that. I'm sitting there, and this guy keeps cutting, and he keeps trimming, he keeps cutting, he keeps trimming, he keeps combing, he keeps... 
And at 45 minutes later, he flipped me around in the chair. He said, now, Pastor, you're on television, and you need somebody in your hairdo. And I wanted to tell him, leave my hair alone. I don't like chains. You don't have to change. But you have to transition. There is a difference. Life is going to move on. God is going to take you on a journey and you're going to have to transition. How you respond needs to be biblically. How you look at the transitions of life will make or break you. In the text, what we are seeing is the second account of Peter telling how that the transition of God from just working with the Jews to working with all nations, from just Jews to Gentiles, this transition is taking place. And did you catch it in the text? Not everybody liked it. Some people were bent out of shape. You see, whenever the transition comes in your life, it's going to make or break you. You can either go with God or you can crumble in the transition. And I'm telling you, many a person has made wreck of their life because they came to a transition and they just did not respond to it well biblically. Peter gives an account in Acts chapter 10 of how that God had worked in the heart of a Gentile. That Gentile's name was Cornelius. He had sent for men to get Simon named Peter to come to his house. He gathered a group of people together, and all he knew was that he was a follower of God, that he had respect for the Jews, and he knew that God had moved in his heart in prayer, to call for this man Peter to come, and whatever message he delivered, he was to believe it and act on it. Peter, on the other end, was praying. The Bible says as Peter was praying, he went into a trance, as it's referred to in the Scriptures, or a vision. And he saw in this vision a sheet coming down out of heaven, and it had all manner of, of animals in it that a good Jew would have called unclean. A good Jew would have never had them some good old-fashioned barbecue. They would have never had a, a good fish fry with catfish and shrimp. I, I mean, a good Jew would never eat those things. But in that vision, there was those type of animals, and the voice from heaven said, Peter, arise and eat. What did Peter do? He told God, no. Now, let's not get bent out of shape at Peter. Unfortunately, every one of us, at some point or another, we have been rebellious toward God, and we have told him no. And Peter said, no. No unclean food has ever entered these lips. And three times God tells Peter to eat and tells him not to call anything he has declared clean uncommon. In other words, don't call it unclean. You go ahead and eat it. And Peter tells in chapter 10, and then he gives account again in chapter 11, how that there were men that showed up after his prayer time was over, and they said, we're sent to call you to come. And so he went. This was a major event for the Jews. They did not hang out with Gentiles. In fact, 
when we see in verse number 2 of chapter 11 that there were some of the circumcised party that criticized Peter, they are upset with him because he has gone over and ate and stayed with a Gentile. I have to ask the question, where in the world they get that ideology from? Well, you go and study the Scriptures and you see that they got that ideology in part, notice I said in part, from ceremonial law. The Jews were not allowed to touch certain meats and hang around certain people. Now, God had always made provision for anyone who would follow the God of Israel to come, but they could not be included in the the promised land, so to say, just the promises of God in general. But but here, the, the Jew was not used to Gentile people coming and fellowshipping with them. They were forbidden to do that in their own mind because of the ceremonial law. But they did like even we do today. They put that ceremonial law on steroids. And they came up with all kind of rules and regulations. And they said to themselves, How dare you, Peter, go and hang out with those filthy Gentiles? What they had yet to realize was God was leading them through a transition. And so Peter gives account a second time, back-to-back chapters, telling how that the Gentiles had come to faith in Jesus Christ. Now, we ask the question, why would God give this record back-to-back like He did? I want to remind you there is no filler in the Bible. Not one time did God ever sit in heaven and say to the Son or the Holy Spirit, you know, the Bible's not long enough. We really need to add to that chapter right there. It's just not enough for people to read. No, God inspired His Word, and He gave us these details, and they're all important. May I just stop and say, even the Old Testament is important. I am shocked at how many people profess to know Christ and they say, oh, that's just the Old Testament. That's not important. My friend, we have it all because it's all important. We have all the Word of God because all the Word of God speaks in a way that we need to hear. Now, I'm glad the days of forbidden catfish and shrimp and barbecue are over. But I'm telling you right now, there are lessons to be learned in even reading about those things. I'm glad we don't have to journey to Jerusalem three times a year. I'm glad we don't have to bring turtle doves and goats and pigeons when we sin. I'm glad those days are behind us. And those days are behind us for one reason and one reason only. It's because Jesus Christ went to the cross of Calvary. He went to the cross of Calvary and He bore in Himself all of our sin. He took it all on the cross of Calvary. Therefore, we do not have to carry sacrifices to the temple. And I'm glad those things are done with. But reading about those sacrifices should stir us to love and appreciate the sacrifice of Christ. And so here, this transition is going on. Peter is giving the description... And he's speaking to people who have taken the Word and added to the Word. And they are shocked. They are upset. They've been out of shape. 
Jesus, when he was alive, he was one that turned the world upside down by things he did. It's not just Peter. It was Jesus while he was alive. Jesus spoke to women. Jesus had women that followed him. When he's hanging on the cross, we don't read about rough, tough Peter standing close to the cross. No, Peter's running and hiding, but we read about women standing close to the cross. Jesus touched lepers. That was a no-no. I mean, that was even under the ceremonial law of the Old Testament, but Jesus touched lepers. Jesus ate with sinners. And so Jesus actually began the transition that is coming to light here in the text. You, you, you think about those things. Life brings transitions. How many of you have a rotary dial, dial telephone at home? We have one gentleman. Does it still work? It doesn't. Had a lady in service a few weeks ago. Her still works. The rest of you, whether you liked it or not, you've already transitioned. You've got flip phones. You, you've got, well, some of you have flip phones. Most of you have smartphones. How many of you are going to put a seatbelt on when you go get in the car in just a few minutes? Why, you remember the day when you rode in the back of a pickup truck, sitting on the edge of it, hanging on for dear life as your dad or your grandfather drove down the road at 50, 60 miles an hour, wind blowing in your face, blowing your hair, having a good time? You know why you're going to put that seatbelt on? You've transitioned. The law now says, wear a seatbelt. Perdido key, is it the same way that it was 50 years ago? No, there's more people here than ants, right? I mean, they're everywhere and more coming, right? Life happens. God lets transitions happen. Now, now I've got to hurry. Listen to me. Listen to me. You're going to go through transition. Why not go through it in a way that honors God? Let's see what the Word of God says. And how God gave us this text so we could see a transition. Number one, I want you to see with me that they considered the Word of God. First of all, it's Peter who considers the Word of God. As he gives an account of these Gentiles becoming Christians and receiving the Holy Spirit, you notice in verse number 15 he says, And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at, as at the beginning. Now it's important that we see that just for a second now. When did these people, when did Cornelius and his family and friends, when did they get saved? Was it when the encouragers met them in the encouragement room? Thank God for the encouragers. Amen? Thank God that we have people that will give counsel biblically. For the first time at our church, we have an encouragement room off to the side of the platform that we're putting together right now where encouragers can take people that want to talk about their soul and spiritual matters. I praise God for them. Hey, hey, did, they, did these folks, did these folks, did they get saved? Did they receive the Holy Spirit at the end of the service? Did they receive the Holy Spirit? Did they get saved in the home with a pastoral visit? No, the Bible says they actually believed on the Lord. They came to know Christ. They received the Holy Spirit while Peter was preaching. May I remind you, it is not, 
It is not your utterance of a prayer that saves you. It is that heart that repents and believes. And it is wonderful to come forward and be saved or go out and be saved. And it is just as wonderful to be saved while the preacher's preaching or the singers are singing. It is the moment that God opens your heart and opens your mind to realize your lostness. And that only He can save you and you believe on Him. I love the testimony of Rosaria Butterfield. Lesbian activist with an unholy anger toward Christianity. She hated the gospel. She hated Christians. She was so blinded by the world, by Satan, by sin. She was a a, um, a seated professor at Syracuse University. She was the LBGQA plus, I'm not making fun, all those letters that go along with that. She was the representative for Syracuse University and traveled the world promoting that agenda which is against the Word of God. She wrote an article. Presbyterian minister challenged her by writing her a letter and invited her to his home to discuss what she had said. She said, I didn't understand it, but I went. I met with him and his wife, and I did not agree with them. But for some reason, I continued to go back at their invitation. And it became a regular event for me to go and have a meal with them and stay for Bible study on Sunday evenings and listen to them sing the Psalms. And eventually they invited me to come to their Sunday morning worship service. And she said, I'll be honest with you, I I got up one morning, my lesbian lover was in the bed and said, where are you going? And and she said, I'm going to church for some reason. She went to church and she's continued to go back and go back and go back and go back. And when you hear Rosaria Butterfield, who, by the way, is now a pastor's wife with four or five, maybe seven or eight by now, adopted children. Her and her husband are serving God faithfully. She tells in her testimony how that she was sitting in the service in that Reformed Presbyterian church singing the hymns of the faith, or they were singing the hymns of the faith. And all of a sudden, during the song service, she began to realize, I do believe in this Jesus. I do admit that I am a sinner. I do confess I cannot save myself. I do realize I'm living in wicked sin. And today, I believe on Him and Him alone. She was saved during the singing. These folks were saved during the preaching. When God births you into His family, it doesn't matter if you're in a building or out of a building. All that matters is that you repent and believe on Jesus Christ and the life that follows it verifies there is repentance and faith. Boy, here Peter's telling how that while he was preaching, they came. Notice what he says. And I remembered the word of the Lord. How he said, who being the Lord Jesus, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. 
Now, Peter's this man who was just as prejudiced as the circumcised party because he was the chairman of the circumcised party before this, and he even struggled a little bit with being a co-chairman a little while later on in the record of the New Testament. He had to work out some of that prejudice that was in his heart. And Peter says, listen, fellas. These folks got saved while I was preaching, and when they got saved and received the Holy Spirit, he said, I remembered the word of the Lord. How do you and I as believers go through transitions in life? We first of all consider the word of God. You say, what transition? Well, you name it. The Bible is relevant for all of them. It could be that your job has come to an end. And you're going to have to transition because of your job. It could be that you're battling a sickness. It could be that you're battling some type of difficulty within your family. Churches are going to go through transitions, that's for sure. I mean, consider, I remember the day, man, I would have never thought about getting up here to preach without a tie and a white shirt on. And you men with shorts on and you ladies with slacks on, oh, my soul, you abominations. Hello? And to bring that wicked piano into the church house, you do realize pianos were not accepted in the church house until the 1800s. Before then, you were wicked if you did not have an organ. Transitions happen. Well, you just carry it right on through your life and let God apply it. What is God speaking to you about right now? Consider the Word of God. You say, but, but, but I don't know that there's a verse of Scripture that applies to my situation. Let me tell you something, my friend. There's a verse of Scripture that will help you through your situation. The Word of God gives us admonition. I won't spend the time to read it, but Ecclesiastes chapter 3 tells us there's a time and place for everything. There's a season. And we're okay while the season's good, but when a season's coming to an end, that's when we get in trouble. And if we live based off of our emotions, we will make train wreck of our life. It, it, you know... God gave us emotions. Praise God for emotions. Wouldn't it be horrible if, if we all walked around, you know, just emotionless? I love the Gettys, Keith and Kristen Getty. They, they, have, they often joke about the Presbyterians being unable to get happy. That's not true, but unable to get happy during a worship service. You know, if somebody gets excited at one of the Gettys' concerts, they'll say, hey, stop that. We Presbyterians don't like that, right? There's some Baptists that way, some Methodists that way. And then there's the other extremes. There's some folks that they're, they're adrenaline junkies. Man, if it's not pumping and rolling and rocking in the service, I mean, if it's not wide open, it ain't church. I mean, there's some folks that if they're not swinging from the chandelier shouting every service, it's not church. And if the preacher's not in the pulpit spitting 12 rows on the back, you know, sucking wind while he's preaching, said, for God so love the world that he gave his only begotten son. They don't think that's, that's not church if it's not that way. 
Well, praise God. Hey, listen, I was, I was in First Baptist Atlanta one time, and Charles Stanley, this is going to shock you, but Charles Stanley was preaching so hard, he was one or two breaths from sucking wind while he was preaching. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that God's in it. We need to be guided by the Word of God. Number two, I want you, I'm, I'm going to hurry. The Word of God it must be considered. It gives us admonition, and by the way, it gives us affirmation. When you turn to the Word and let the Word guide you. Number two, contemplate the Word of God. N notice what it says in verse number 18. After Peter tells them that, that, that he remembered the Word and that they had received the Holy Spirit, he, he said, when they heard these things, they got on Facebook. And they told everybody through Facebook. They got on text messaging and told everybody. They got on the community group page. No. It says they fell silent. An art and a fact of life that is missing. Getting quiet before God. Oh, how we need to learn to get quiet before God again. In fact, in our church, I was challenged in a meeting one time to have just a quiet time in our church. The first time I walked to the platform and I just said, let's get quiet before God. No music. Nobody praying out loud. Nobody singing. Get quiet before God. It was shocking. I won't stay as long as I did in the first service, but your cell phone has developed in your brain, and it is proven some of you are addicted to your cell phone. Some of you will not even make it out the exit doors without checking Facebook. Oh, about a year and a half ago, a man brought his granddaughter with him to church. I'd never met her. I'd tried to meet her. man brought his granddaughter to church, and he wanted her to come up and meet me. And, and so as they come up, I, she, she came up with her cell phone in hand, and he said her name and said, I want you to meet the preacher. She never one time took her eyes off of her phone. She never looked at me. She said, hey, and no sooner than she said, hey, she said to her grandfather, I can't believe so-and-so didn't send me a message first. Now, I'm going to tell you something. My dad, my mom's husband, my dad, I would still be cross-sided, crying tears down my back, and I, I wouldn't even be able to speak hardly at all if I'd have done that. He would have slapped me into next year and told everybody I died of pneumonia. <laughs> now, my dad loved the cell phone. He had one of the first ones anybody I know. But I'm going to tell you something. He knew there was a time, put that phone down, look a man in the eye, shake his hand firm, speak to the ladies all from your seat, pay attention, 
Don't just be constantly driven. And I'm telling you, it's not just the young people. It's some of the older people too. We've just got information flowing all the time and we have become addicted and it's proven we have become addicted and it is affecting us spiritually. And here we are going through the transitions of life and we think we've got to tell somebody else about it through our cell phone when we really need to get quiet before God and consider the Word of God and contemplate the Word of God. Hear these prejudiced, angry, yes, they're Christians, and they'd gotten angry, but they were wrong in their anger. These prejudiced people needed to get it right, and praise God they did. They got silent before God and contemplated the Word of God. I want to I challenge every one of you that know the Lord, to turn your cell phone off for 15 minutes tonight and just get quiet before God. Think about it. Last of all, I want you to see something else. Not only did they consider the Word of God and they contemplated it, in other words, they remembered it and then they mused on it. They just sat there and and really thought it through. That's the implication of the text. In this transition, rather than automatically responding, blowing up, talking to somebody, they just stopped and thought about it. Then last of all, they celebrated what God was doing. We need to celebrate the new work of God. Anytime there is a transition that God brings you through, God is taking you through a new work. It may be the same thing. Did you catch? Peter said, hey, listen, they received the same thing we received. It's they received it at a different time and in a way that they did not anticipate. In other words, God is at work all the time. God is not... Static, he's not idle. God is always at work. You may not see him at work in your life, sir. Ma'am, you may not see him at work, but he is at work. And you must trust him in that work. You and I must just stop and think this thing through. You know, I I said to the early service, I said to you, you know, there's going to come a day, and it happens even now. There's going to come a day where somebody's going to get up and sing a song I don't know in church. I remember the day we sung, when the roll is called up younger, under the doxology, you know, we we sang, there is a fountain. We sang, I'm winging my way back home. Uh, Well, nowadays, we, we sing some of those things, but we don't always sing those songs. There'll come a day when I'm not going to know some song. You know why? God is giving new songs to people. God says, sing a new song. Well, it's hard to sing a new song if there's no new songs. So what do I do when I come to that transition? I fold my arms and I sit there and I swell up like a bullfrog. Say, bless God, it ain't in the Baptist hymnal. No, no, no. I realized just, ha- just like God, in- God moved in the heart of H.G. Spafford who wrote, It is well with my soul. 
God has also moved in the heart of, uh, of Matt Papa and Matt Boswell as they rode almost home. Just like he's written in the heart uh, of others as we sing in Christ alone, God is still at work. And what I need to do is I need to go to the Word of God and see that God said this was coming and that I can make it through any transition He brings my way. And whenever I go through it, I need to say, To God be the glory. To God be the glory. I say to you what I said to that first group in this morning. When I get older as a preacher, I want to be sweet. I know one guy... I know a couple, but I know one guy. He got down to the end of his journey as a preacher, and he became mean as a junkyard dog, and he has dealt multiple pastors' fits and misery and caused all kind of trouble in church. Hey, listen, the older we get, the more sweet we should become in Jesus. You say, but it's changing. It's changing. Yeah, you have. You don't have any teeth anymore. You got false teeth in that mouth. Right? Things happen. Let's look at it through the lens of Scripture. I'm going to tell you, I give you some silly illustrations there because I realize there's transition that happens a lot more serious than hearing a new song. Hello? There's transitions that happen in life where all of a sudden the place you thought that you were going to spend the rest of your life, all of a sudden that job or that home is gone. Our health is gone. Friends are gone. Churches change. People change. May God find His people running to the Word of God. And saying, God, you have this. No matter what this is, give me a word and I'll hang my hat on it. And I will, I will rejoice. I will celebrate what you're going to do in this transition. Would you bow your head and would you pray? If you're a Christian, would you consider the word that we have studied this morning and would you respond appropriately in your heart? If you're not a Christian, and God has opened your eyes to see that you need to be saved, I want to encourage you to believe on Christ. As we go to leave, you're going to hear about the encouragers. Thank God for these servants. I want to encourage you to visit them. Come speak to me. Don't leave here with things undone. Our Father, we commit this time of your word into your hands and pray that you would find us appropriate in our response. May you find us soft and tender, pliable, considering, contemplating, and celebrating your word and your work. We pray this in Jesus' name.